What's going on, guys? We got another special episode for you T- today. We are joined by Dave Pratt from Speed Academy, uh, whom, for some of you that didn't know, used to work at Modified Mag. Uh, so he gives us some special insight about you know how the print days were and things like that, and uh, how YouTube is great and how YouTube sucks. Uh, we're still working on our uh, store as well for Professional Awesome. Um, the supply chain issues have struck us as well. So we're, we're trying our best to, to get everything back in stock. But with that being said, please like, review, comment, whatever you're supposed to do these days to get us higher up on these charts. And uh, really appreciate it. Uh, no obscure car today, unfortunately, because we ran kind of long. But, you know, enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Professional Awesome's Hypercritical Radio. I'm Hayden Lowe, and I'll be your host for today. And I'm joined by Mike Lewin, Devin Jazz, Daniel Patrick O'Donnell. And we have a special guest today, so please introduce yourself. That's right, everyone. I'm a very special guest, and my name is Dave Pratt, also known as the old DP from uh, the, <laughs> the, the YouTube channel Speed Academy. Or if you're really, really old and you used to read car magazines, then you might have seen my name in print in Modified Magazine and... Honda tuning and grassroots motorsports and all kinds of other stuff I used to do before my beard turned gray. So that's me. Thank you for having me on. I appreciate it. First question is, what is a magazine? Exactly. (laughs) Can you can you explain this concept to me? I don't substitute toilet paper. I was going to say, you remember like a decade ago when you were going to the washroom and you had to read something? Oh. that's that's what a magazine is. They're made out of paper, yeah. So so we killed a bunch of trees so we could print out some pictures. Is that what we did? Exactly. They're they're in museums now. They're 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 antiques that are collectible. But uh, it was this piece of paper, or it was the back of the shampoo bottle. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Man, I read a lot of shampoo. Anyway, <laughs> that's, I, that's when that's when this is going to be a very divergent conversation for four seconds. But that's when it said you know, rinse and repeat, and they got in trouble for rinse and repeat, or repeat is necessary, because shampoo can't say repeat is necessary anymore, because why the fuck are you repeating? You don't have to! So they got in trouble for that. Anyway. They just want people to use more product more quickly, that's what it's all about. I know, but shit, you shouldn't have to repeat, that's the important part. Anyway, so obviously, you've been around the block in the media world, Um, and so... Uh, give us a little, I mean, in, in terms of what you've done in the past, obviously you've worked for quite a few magazines, um, you know, and then you guys obviously transitioned to Speed Academy. I assume quite a few listeners know what the Speed Academy, um, YouTube pages, like, as well as the, as the, uh, the website you guys have with technical articles that, that Devin writes for as well. Yeah. Um, and so, so let's I be guess... honest, Dan writes them and then Devin just puts his name on them, right? Is that how that goes down? <laughs> Pretty close. <laughs> <laughs> My, my contractual obligations to Moto IQ say I cannot confirm or deny that. That's right. You can't get hey, listen, I, I wrote a story for Moto IQ once too, so we're we're that's, we're all friends here. That's awesome. And so so you work for those you know work for those magazines in the past. I guess my question is always like obviously things are going seemingly going more towards video and such, and obviously you guys have your YouTube. Mm-hmm. Um, the the difference between working in the past uh, on those magazines and working you know on your YouTube now. How did that transition happen? How does that feel? Do you like it more or less? Like, give us some info on that, if you're willing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for for Pete and I, uh, the transition really happened um, because the magazine got shut down. So in uh, 
early 2015, the company that owned most of the automotive magazines in North America went through some financial hard times and started closing titles. Um, so they closed a whole bunch of the sport compact, you know, tuner type of magazines down at that time. The only one they didn't close was Super Street, um, which has more recently been closed down. So I don't think there's any tuner mags left in print other than like D-Sport, who's an independent and uh, yeah. Grassroots. Who would have thought you, D-Sport you know. would win? Yeah, exactly. Well, if you asked Mike there, he probably would have said he, he always knew he would win. But yeah, that's another I, story. Yeah. Well, that's, that's another story. That's a different conversation. <laughs> exactly. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, when the magazine got shut down, Pete and I were kind of like, uh, what, do you, what are we going to do next here? So, I mean, he had job offers to go to other magazines, as did I. And, you know, I could have gone into maybe the PR side of the automotive industry. Um, I also used to do a lot of, like, new car reviews for a website and a YouTube channel called Auto Guide. So I could have gone and been more like a, you know, a straight-laced automotive journalist, uh, wearing beige slacks and talking like the guy from Motor Week. But I just yeah. didn't. Does that wasn't, Auto Guide still exist? They still it, exist does, right? it, it does still exist. Yep. They, they've, okay. kind, they've slowly morphed more into a, uh, I don't know. They don't do a lot of YouTube content anymore. So they're, okay. they've, they've focused they're more on their. Print. They stayed more with their website and with forums of all things. But anyway, uh, not, not my business plan. So anyway, Pete and I sort of looked at our options and thought, why don't we give this this internet thing a try here and, and started the website and thought, oh, we'll also do some videos to kind of support the stories on the website. So we'll start a YouTube account and, you know, goof around with that a bit as well. But we quickly saw that, you know, the growth on YouTube and the view rate on YouTube was much stronger than it was for the stories that we were writing for our website, which, you know, being magazine guys, we thought, oh, we'll just keep doing words and photos just on a blog instead of in, in print. And Turns out the video stuff was in much higher demand, and we liked doing the video stuff too. It was it was kind of a nice change of pace for for us from what we were doing before, um, and it was just I think a a better way to connect with your your end your end customer. Like you 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 can kind of create a bit more of a relationship with them because they get to know you better, and they and you get to know them through the comment section. So um, it just seemed like the right way to go. So pretty early on, I would say within the six, the first six months to maybe the, within the first year, we pretty much transitioned fully over to YouTube. And, you know, the website is still there and it's still something that we chip away at, but it's certainly not our focus because YouTube's really the driving force for our, our business. And, and it's what our, our advertisers want us to be doing. It's what our, you know, consumers want to be consuming. So, um, yeah, that's really why YouTube turned into our focus pretty quickly and uh, has been ever since. So that's how that transition went down. And as far as like, uh, you know, what do I enjoy? What I enjoy more? I mean, if I'm honest, the magazine life was very easy and very cushy. Uh, you know, it was like, you know, you were getting paid good money to uh, to crank out maybe four stories a month, uh, maybe, you know, go on one all expenses paid trip to test drive somebody else's car. Uh, it was a pretty nice way to make a living. And, um, you know, the pace of life and the pace of work was very reasonable. But when you start your own business, I don't have to tell you guys this, that, you know, it, it becomes an all-consuming venture. And the pace of um, YouTube is very demanding because to just to keep up with the algorithm and to kind of keep the channel relevant, you have to keep cranking the content out. So we're putting out, you know, two or three videos a week sometimes. We've scaled back a little bit recently because Pete and his wife just had their second uh, baby. So we're only putting out, I think, one video a week right now. But we'll go back to two in the next month or two. And 
maybe up to three over the summer when we can be a bit more productive because we have this thing up here called winter, which kind of slows us down. But anyway, I, I mean, I, I, I'm nostalgic about the magazine business because of the pace of life was, was, and the stress level was a lot lower. But um, as far as like the sense of accomplishment and the sense of connection that you get with your, your audience, uh, you know, YouTube is obviously much better for that. Um, and, you know, we have total control over what we do now, where at the magazine, you know, we were kind of being told what we were going to do and when we were going to do it. And, and, and that was okay most of the time because we liked our work, but now we can really choose what cars we're building, how we're building them, you know, what events we go to, um, that's all under our, our own control. So that's a, a good thing and a bad thing. Cause sometimes you choose poorly or, or sometimes you say yes to too many projects, or sometimes you, you know, turn down something you wish you hadn't. So, um, you know, there are pros and cons to being, you know, the, <laughs> The, the steerer of the ship. But um, all in all, I, I really still love what we do. I, I think Pete and I still have a lot of passion for building cars and, and uh, abusing them on the street and at the track. So uh, we're happy and really very lucky to keep to, to be able to keep doing what we do. And um, we complain a little bit sometimes that we're, you know, we're tired and it, it, it's hard to really find time to, to take off, you know, like just disappear for a month because your channel would slow down a lot. So you know, there's, there's that kind of complaint, but overall we, we're really very lucky to do what we do and, and really still enjoy it a ton. I, I wonder, so it's, it's funny. I came from, I don't know if you knew this, but I came from the newspaper world. I worked, uh, in sales in the newspaper for, I don't know, 12, 13 years. And I'm very nostalgic for that lifestyle as well. Mm -hmm. Um, lots of good people that, the quality of the product I thought was was pretty top notch, and I wonder, like, what do you feel in the YouTube world? Um, I feel like it's hard to find consistent, good quality content that I'm interested in. But if it was like a magazine, like all the checks and balances that were required for something to get into, you know, get published, uh, it seemed like the bar was much higher. Would you agree or? Or yeah, ha having been in that world, are you like, no, there was some garbage we put out in the magazine? Oh, oh, no question. A lot of garbage made it into the magazine. Um, and, and that wasn't really necessarily because the editors or the whole team uh, wasn't trying hard. But, you know, magazine editors, myself included, aren't necessarily experts. So there's times where we might publish something technical and we'd get it wrong because you know, unlike, you know, punchy Mike Lou in there, we're not engineers. And sometimes we write about topics we shouldn't because it's, it's relevant to, to our interests, but isn't necessarily something we're truly an expert on. So there are certainly times where we wrote stories for the magazine that made it through the ed editorial process, but weren't necessarily a hundred percent accurate. And, and guys would call us out on it and we'd learn from that. And, and that's still true maybe more now than ever, because you get that instant feedback on YouTube that, you know, you really didn't get in the magazine world. One thing with the, the print industry in general is that you had very little contact with your readers. You didn't really know who they were. Uh, you didn't really get any feedback from them at all, other than the sales numbers of the, you know, how many copies were sold. And, oh, I guess that was a good issue because we sold more copies, but you know, now we have uh, uh, so much data and so many analytics to look at. It's overwhelming, but we know a lot about our audience and and they tell us a lot. So um, we certainly are learning much more quickly when we make a mistake from the comment section. Uh, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. I mean, we have learned a lot legitimately from very smart commenters who know more about what we're doing than we do. 
because we don't pretend to be, you know, professional mechanics or engineers. We're just two dudes who like to build cars. And, uh, you know, we've gotten reasonably good at it over the last 20 years, but we're by no means experts. And we're always building new cars. We don't just build the same thing over and over again. So a lot, a lot of times we're just learning on camera, like with our GTR project right now, we've never touched one before. And we're learning lots of hard lessons along the way because the pace of YouTube is such that we can't go home and, and research uh, the t- you know what we're doing for a week before we make a choice. And sometimes we've had to redo certain jobs because we've made a choice quickly that we shouldn't have. So, but that's, you know, that's also your, part of your content, though, and your brand is that you are just two guys who are no, more competent than maybe the average home mechanic. But um, your mistakes are okay, right? Yeah, hundred percent. That that's that's I think an important part of of our channel is that we show our work, we show our mistakes, we we own up to them, and. Uh, we want to learn from them and we want other people to see us make the most those mistakes so they don't make the same ones themselves. And um, we get a lot of positive feedback from our viewers on that. You know, we could treat this like, uh, you know, a, a power TV show on Discovery Channel and just make it look like everything goes perfectly and happens within 20 minutes uh, and, you know, make ourselves look like, you know, flawless mechanics in the process. But that's not what YouTube's about. And that's certainly not what Pete and I want to do as far as, you know, content production goes. So, um, yeah, yeah. We're perfectly comfortable looking like idiots on camera. I've been doing it for six or seven years now and I'm, I'm pretty, I'm pretty good at it. So, uh, you know, it, and, and I think people connect with you more as a viewer, if you're just honest about what you're doing and what your capabilities are, what you're, what you're showing on, on screen is literally really what's happening in the shop. So, I think that's part of our success on the channel has been very, you know, has been to be very forthcoming about that. Yeah, it's, it's a more relatable top. It's a more relatable kind of situation, I think. And it's definitely hard, obviously, if you have a standard what you're trying to hold when in actuality it's like people want the more realism. That's why, unfortunately, reality TV, even though it's incredibly fake, is more popular or became popular is because people like quote unquote reality more than they like, you know, the scrubbed version of, you know, the old car show. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's absolutely true. And, you know, there, one of the, the struggles that Pete and I have is that we want to take our time and we want to do the best job we can possibly do, but because you're trying to keep up with the, the flow of YouTube, you know, there's just, times where we're rushing when we shouldn't be rushing and mistakes get made because we're rushing or we simplify a project and do it in a way that we wouldn't necessarily do it if we weren't filming it. Because again, we're trying to get it done on a schedule because we've got eight more builds to do this year because we've signed these deals with advertisers and we need to get these builds done. So there's a certain amount of like time pressure that way as well. Um, So there, I, I wish we honestly, I wish we had a lot more time to, to go slower and to really do the builds the way we want to do them and to be able to like do more iterative testing, go to the track more, test parts, say, okay, this worked, that didn't work and, and make small changes and show people that process. But A, we know from experience because we've tried that in the past that that doesn't generate a lot of viewer interest and B, it slows down our whole schedule so much that we can't get through enough builds in the year to make the business side of what we do make sense either. So. Fortunately, we're kind of in a situation where we have to keep moving fairly quickly. We have to kind of simplify some things that we wouldn't necessarily want to simplify. 
And we can't always do like the deep tech that we would like to do from our own personal learning standpoint, because we know that there isn't a lot of viewer interested in that. And we know that stuff is time consuming too. So there's definitely a, you know, a balancing act that we're having to strike with the kind of content we generate, you know, between time resources, you know, what we know works on YouTube, on our channel, that kind of stuff. So yeah, there's a lot of uh, moving balls there, but it's, it's a tricky one. And, you know, when YouTube changes the algorithm too, that may change, you know, how we have to go about making our content. So it's kind of a moving target, which can be a bit frustrating, but that's the nature of the beast. So, so do you, like, it, it's interesting, the iterative process, like that's what I'm in love with. And that's what I loved um, back in the magazine days is when there'd be a project and I'd just be following it along and, um, I was a big sport compact car fan and they would go and like, okay, we put the suspension on, we go to the track. How does it compare from before and after? And I, I just love that. And then um, race car engineering, they had uh, an aerodynamics uh, aerobite section where they would do in three parts, aerodynamic testing on a car in, in um, a wind tunnel and show that changes you know does this flap help in this way and that guy freaking just retired which is a bummer so i canceled my race car engineering subscription um, oh simon retired that is a bummer yeah that was just like the only reason why i got that magazine and uh so um do you think there's a like that that algorithm is dictating the content more than it should well th that's a tricky one because i mean there are channels that do technical content and find viewers with it. And so I think there's there's still ways to make that kind of content work on YouTube. But, you know, when we've tried it on our channel, um, it hasn't worked especially well. And maybe that's just because the way we're doing it isn't, you know, as entertaining or as as detailed maybe as those guys want. It's really hard to know for sure. But I just know that when we've tried that, sort of like iterative process on our channel, the view rates drop off with every step of that iteration. So, you know, the first the first day we go to the track with a project car and do a test, having already baselined at stock, and we show people how much faster we can go on like the basic bolt-ons. So say wheels and tires, brakes and suspension, that video will get a ton of views. But when we start to go further in the development process, you know, when we start to add aerodynamic stuff, or if we start to, you know, work more with uh, alignment and damper settings and spring rates. And it's, the more technical it gets, the fewer viewers we find on our channel. So that's been a frustration for me personally, because I love that iterative process of, you know, as a racer, you're always looking for tents. And I love going out to the track and trying to find those tents. But that just doesn't make for good content on our channel. Um, it could work on another channel. And, and I, I, I can't really reference any off the top of my head. So I, I, I can't give you a good example right now, but I feel like there is an opportunity there for somebody to do that well on YouTube and build an audience with it. Um, we just haven't really succeeded in doing that. You know, for whatever reason, people seem to come to our channel for, you know, that mix of bolt-on performance and, um, you know, bearded dad jokes. And when we do that well, we get good numbers. And when we stray too far from that, we get punished in terms of view rates. And at the end of the day, that's hitting us in the pocketbook. So we kind of look at each other and say, well, if this is what we're doing for a living, we've got to create the kind of content that is connecting with the most number of people that we can connect with. So 
that sort of steered us in a direction in the last few years where we're doing more, you know, bolt-on-ish builds. Sometimes we're going a little deeper than that, but uh, we are trying to simplify our builds because that seems to be what our viewers want. And I know you guys are kind of on the other end of that where you're doing, you know, real engineering and are trying to educate people about that. So it, it's it's a tough one for those two perspectives to kind of merge in a way there where we can create content that's educational and entertaining and it can be done i'm sure it can be done but we haven't hit a home run on that one yet but uh i'm open to trying guys you you, you tell me how to do it <laughs> if we had any idea how to do it <laughs> yeah we're, we're kind of <laughs> fucking stupid that's what you're <laughs> i mean like it just you know like again I, I have to say this every time there's a even remotely a marketing topic or talking about the general population i'm not them and i have no idea and mm -hmm. if I like it too much, the general population probably doesn't. So nope. that's the problem. And so, like, I love the iterative stuff. I love the stuff that Dan's talking about. I love the, you know, when you did a couple of those videos where you track tested things and you tested tires and you did all that stuff. I love those videos. Those are my favorite videos you have. But obviously, the, the audience that you have doesn't love them. And so that's what's hard for me is that, you know, I would love to see more of that stuff from you guys. I'd love to see it more from other content creators because from my perspective it's that there's lots of channels out there that do just general builds and maybe they just do general builds bolt-on builds because it's the thing that generates views i also have that question constantly is it is it the algorithm that's that's killing it because it's you know is it is it the simplified topic that's getting people to watch is it the algorithm that says this isn't like these other videos, so we're not going to promote it well. Like, there's nothing common about it, I guess I should say. So, like, there's no, there's no, there's no commonality between these other videos that get lots of views. So we're not going to share this in the same, you know, ethos, the same, you know, area. Um, so that's the, all the questions that I always ask. And and for me, it's, I would, it would be difficult for me to make videos and not do it the way that I want to do it for about a thousand reasons. Um, to cater to that kind of one build schedule and two um, simplicity, sake, yeah, right, yeah, I, it's a hard one. I mean, it's a hard one, and it and is, I get it. it is. I, I I struggle with it a lot because uh, you know, and, and Pete does too, because we both really enjoy trying to you know learn from every build, and and if you're not doing that kind of iterative testing that we're talking about, it is difficult to really learn anything. Like we're not. We're not learning anything from we we do these things that we call mod my ride series where it's usually right, like yeah, a yeah. two or three episode build where it's literally just like a bolt-on spit shine you know instant gratification kind of of, right. of build and those get huge views because of their very nature of being instantly gratifying and that's ultimately what works best on youtube on pretty much any channel but we have found that you know some of our our bigger builds connect better or worse with our viewers for reasons that we don't necessarily understand very well like we just finished uh our m5 wagon and lexus ls430 builds six months ago and you know those were two cars that we thought man are we going to tank the channel building these things because you know we kind of built the channel on like s2000 and frs you know sure. sports car track car type builds and then here are these these two like you know highway cruiser cars and but we just wanted to build them for ourselves and we we thought you know what 
we're, we're five years into this thing. Fuck it. Let's build a couple of cars that we're going to enjoy and use with our families. And if people want to watch, great. And if people don't want to watch, that's okay too. We'll survive. And uh, turns out those have literally been our two most popular long-term builds that we've probably done in the last five years. So you just never know what's going to connect with people, man. It's, it's, it's a weird one. It's the super wheels on the Lexus. It, that was That's it. all you need, man. That's all you need. <laughs> I mean, stuff like that, though. It, it's silly. It sounds stupid, but I'm I'm sure that helps. Things like that, and and I'm with you. Like, you know, this goes back to that whole marketing thing. Is that in marketing, people just don't know what works. You're mostly guessing, and you're mostly just trying things, and you know, checking the analytics at least on YouTube side to see what is or is not working at that present moment. So, you know, yeah. I, I like the the M5 build. I like. I did too. I, I, I like the wagons, build. Boy. Yeah, I mean, for oh, me, you're, it's... You're sh- shitting on Dave, though. Dave <laughs> was the Lexus guy. Dave hey, was listen, the I, 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 won the, I won the challenge, so it's all good. Yep. And I love that wagon, too, man. That, the wagon, I mean, let's be honest, the wagon was the much more technically interesting build, the more difficult build, and the better, you know, enthusiast driving car. It actually drives sure. really well. The Lexus is a great highway cruiser, and I love it. And the fact that we supercharged it generated a lot of interest because... That's not something people have ever yeah. documented before on YouTube. Who's so good enough to do that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. But it turns out it's 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 actually really easy to do. Right. There's a yeah. dude who makes an adapter manifold, and that that thing you could install that supercharger in a weekend. Like it's it's that easy. And, so, that, and, uh, and I do think I mean for me, like I said, those are cool builds to me. Apparently, some people like them as well. But it's just like I would do that type of stuff. Where it, obviously I would do that type of stuff. Let's be serious. I want to build vans, but it's like. <laughs> That's the that's the thing. It's like I, I would never know what's good. And, you know, the, the first real build that I ever shared with anybody, you know, took lots of pictures of because I never take pictures. I have a I have a distinct problem because I have a photographic memory that I don't care about pictures because once I look at something, it's in my fucking head and it stays there. So hmm. I know that's not what normal people are like. And so for me, pictures don't do a lot because I can like bring back up my memory of what I was looking at. And it's a pretty damn good representation of what it actually mm. was. So it stays in there. So it's just like pictures aren't a thing for me. So the first thing I, first time I ever documented anything like realistically was the insight, the K insight, you know, the case I built. Yeah. And, uh, and that took a lot of energy out of me just to take pictures because I had to be like, stop and think about it and like put a light on some parts and take some pictures of it. And I put that build right around and, it was extremely popular and i was like damn like that's crazy you know and that build was in depth if you will but it wasn't you know it wasn't for like you know professional awesome it wasn't really for that we i put the name on it but it wasn't that wasn't the point right i wasn't looking for partners if you will and all that i was just trying to build what i wanted Mm. and so all i know is that just taking those however many pictures i took and put on the internet was just so tiring for me because yeah. it stops it stops my workflow so like exactly yeah it just it, especially because i remade like i bought engine mounts they were garbage i redid all the engine mounts so that the engine would sit exactly where i wanted it to and just going through that like taking pictures as i cut and welded things and you know made the individual parts of that fabrication like obviously when you're cutting and welding and grinding and stuff it's a mess so like putting the camera in a safe spot and then bringing it back out after you clean some stuff up that that whole process killed me. Like I was like, I can't. Oh yeah, it slows it slows you way down. And you you lose your momentum. It's it's crazy. Like you know that supercharger install on the Lexus, which you could do in two days if you were mechanically you know adept. And it's not really a difficult job. 
it probably took us two weeks to do because we were filming the whole thing right. and we were having to wait for people to show up or, you know, th there, there's all kinds of logistics that goes on behind the scenes when you're shooting a video that just slows things down. Like you, it's really hard to explain to people how much the production side of things slows down the actual wrenching side of things. So yeah, that's a, that's a big challenge for us is to like, you know, how do we get through these builds quickly while still covering them as thoroughly as we can from a video perspective. And right. there's no, there's really no shortcuts for that. So we just, uh, I guess a shortcut would be like hire some help, but so far we've been too, we've been too stubborn to do that. So Pete right, and I yeah. just grind it out ourselves. And, uh, are, are you guys doing your own editing too? We, uh, we do all our own editing. Pete, Pete does most of the editing these days. Um, I edit like, you know, the Sleeka series, since that's really my personal pet project. I edit that and I edit some other, you know, I edit like all the track test videos and that kind of stuff. But our typical build videos, Pete generally edits all of those because it's just, he's so driven that he's like, I'm going to go home and edit this right now. And, uh, you know, I, I've got two kids, although he's got two kids now too, but my well, excuse has always been like, uh, you know, I got two kids at home. Pete can edit this one. And it's just sort of turned into him doing the, the lion's share of the editing, which, uh, I'm not going to complain about it. He, he does a great job of it and I get more sleep at night probably than he does because of it. So, uh, yeah, he is, he's definitely more of the workaholic out of the two of us. I mean, I still put in, I don't know, 50 hours a week and he probably puts in 70 or 80 a week. Like it's, and it's been that way for the last six or seven years. So it's, it's intense to, to build a channel on YouTube, but, um, it's, uh, it's rewarding too. And we're, we're kind of finally over the hump with it where, you know, we reached a, a, a large enough audience now that we're not having to like, uh, you know, beg for sponsor support. We're not having to chase parts as hard. We can generally, you know, keep the machine moving pretty easily now because we have a big enough audience that it's not difficult to do that. Yeah. Let me ask like a, go ahead. I'm just going to say that it's like, so you're saying like the, the, the concepts of um, you know the slowing down production, slowing you down, and everything, and I think that's where some there's some interesting. The other side of it is that there's lots of channels that are like more vlog based, right? So they're like mm -hmm. it's just a dude kind of lowbrow production, yeah, kind of just walking around and being Shoot like, "Shoot me in the face!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, no offense to anybody else, but I fucking hate that. Like I have zero interest in watching a body cam on a police officer while he builds a car like it's yeah. just not just not my thing <laughs> and so and so it's hard for me to like like that that editing is generally easier because they generally either just cut that you know little sections out there's not a lot of exactly. like exactly yeah or they or they do time lapse right or they speed it up really quick through things that they don't like and so that editing is easier the montage. And right yeah, yeah do the montage yeah and so i'm not saying that but but what i like everything else in life, it seems like other people like that background feel that mm -hmm. they're viewing something from like a Voyager, you know, a Voyager's perspective, not a Voyager, a Voyager perspective <laughs> in, in the least, you know, kinky way possible. And so it's just interesting to me that that there's potential that, you know, you can make the production seemingly less intensive and potentially still have the same or more viewership because some of the biggest channels are just literally watching some guy do some normal ass shit and people love it. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't know. Blows no, my mind, no. but there you go. Yeah, no, it kind of blows our mind too. But, you know, we're, we're all old enough that we kind of come from, um, you know, a, 
a philosophy maybe where we think content needs to be presented in a certain way. And uh, I certainly, I know from talking to some of our younger viewers and talking to some of the bigger, you know, vlog, automotive vlogger channels that the more rough their editing is, the more sort of like low production value it is, the more their viewers seem to like it because it feels more authentic to them. It feels more like right. they're just hanging out with this guy in his garage and they feel more connected to it. So for whatever reason, I think the younger generations in particular really seem to connect with that sort of like more raw, less produced, less polished style of content. Cause it's like, it's less of what dad watches on TV. And it's more like, this is what my generation does. This is cooler. Yeah, maybe. So I don't know. I think that's probably part of it. But um, I mean, Pete and I have certainly talked about like simplifying our production so that we can get through things more quickly. But at the end of the day, we work with enough companies where we're trying to present their products and ourselves sure, in and a professional a enough way that, yeah, yeah, we're, we're trying to sort of balance that. So we have a lot more like sponsorship deals because of our magazine background than a lot of other YouTube channels do. So those relationships are important to us. And because of that, we try to, you know, produce our content in a, in a more, you know, I don't know. I don't want to call it TVS, but maybe in a more polished way, I guess. Yeah, and, and I don't think that all vlog-type channels are bad. I think there's definitely some production value to some of them. Like, you sure. know, there's some things that I want to watch. I mean, like, I'd watch A Day in the Life of Adrian Dewey. Like, why not? Oh, but hell I'm yeah. Not, I'm not, right. That's a little different than watching some guy on the corner who's lowering his Civic. I'm not going to watch that from that chess cam. It's just not going to happen. And so it's like a – there's some vlogs that I think are pretty – you know, there's more – there's more production value there. Um, but it's still like, I always think about that production value versus, um, you know, time and energy and then putting it out there and what people want. And, and it's hard to come, you know, it's hard when you want to have a level of refinement to what you're putting out. Um, but then your audience is like, fuck it. Just give me everything. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, just, just give me whatever you got. Like you could, yeah. you could put like, you, you could change some spark plugs and they'd be like, this is amazing. As long, you know, as, like, you, as long as you make it entertaining, you know, or you give them some kind of like inside look at your life where they feel more connected to you, that, that kind of stuff can work really well. And I mean, one of our, one of our most viewed videos is, you know, Pete and I bought a, a DC2 Integra parts car because we literally just needed the front subframe out of it for our EK coupe, uh, K-swapped coupe that we built. Right. And we thought just as a throwaway episode, we would show us parting that car out. And that video has, I don't know, like three quarters of a million views or something. And it's literally like us in our old ch chicken coop of a shop, butchering this old Integra, hitting it with sledgehammers, just kind <laughs> of, just just going like full meathead on it, just for shits and giggles, because it was a $300 car. And people fucking love that episode because it's just guys goofing around with cars doing dumb shit. So it kind of shows you like what people find entertaining and and what they even come to a channel like ours for for whatever reason and, and i mean part of that is the algorithm is feeding that episode because they see more people are watching it and so you get more and more people who aren't subscribers watching that but they don't necessarily come back to watch anything else again so there's an element of that too with with some videos that just find a a bit of a viral foothold for whatever weird reason and you to to you know, to try to capture that genie in a bottle again is, is next to impossible. So you can't really try to do, you know, duplicate that. You just have to keep doing what you're doing and hopefully people will keep watching. 
I think there should be a made me think about that. Like, it's just because you're not using enough hammers in the rest of your videos. Yeah, should, it's true. You should start a that's, segment. That's true. You know, I know all. you're a hammer enthusiast, Mike. So I am a hammer. Like... I'm a I'm a beat the shit out of stuff enthusiast. <laughs> but that's what I'm saying. Like, I just thought of a great idea. Please don't steal it, anybody. But literally, just a mechanics page. You you know, vlog style, super simple. But I only can fix things with hammers and hammer variants. You so, know what? That is you, a great idea. I love this. You truly sound like the sloppy mechanics Facebook page, except it's a vlog. <laughs> oh, if I sounded like the sloppy mechanics Facebook oh, page, I would have head gaskets on anything. <laughs> um, <laughs> but like, JB I, Wells, I would, I would complain. Yeah, I'd complain about China while buying a bunch of Chinese parts. That's what I would do if I was on sloppy mechanics. Um, <laughs> but the other side of it is like, that page is great. Yeah, I know. Finding the foothold is like, like you said, it's just like, why did that work? It's like, I don't know what the clickbait title should be, but old men beat up JDM cars is is, is kind of my my speed. Um, but I think it, we got, it, we got to call it Hammer Time, and you got to you got to get the rights to MC Hammer song. You got to oh wear God. baggy like oh, jumpsuit you know pants. What you need? Parachute you just need pants. a black guy. Parachute pants. Right. That's right. There we go. <laughs> I found my niche on the way, boys. <laughs> get some parachute right. pants and a hammer. Hammer That's time. It. Oh my God, we've got a whole YouTube channel here. Like, why aren't we doing this? We should start planning. But it's just funny. I, it's just funny what resonates. Sponsored what by Popeyes. Resonate. Sponsored by uh, Popeyes. Let's. <laughs> uh, that's good shit. I'm on board with all of this, and and you know, Pete and I have similar conversations all the time about like, we know that Honda builds and K-Swap builds do extremely well on our channel. So it's like, right. we should literally just start a channel called K-Swap the World, and all we do is swap Ks right. into. Anything and Anything. everything. Yeah, yeah. And we would no, we mean, would be so much further ahead than we are now. But we just don't want to do that because that gets boring doing the same thing over and over yeah, and over it, again. It, it's so hard. I mean, it's hard that, that, that that's the more than LS. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah. like it's like you know they now there's like you see them all the time now. You know they're in Volvos, they're in Corvettes, they're in Mustangs, they're in everything. So it's like that. I, I don't know why that amuse. I just don't get it. I'm not the normal person. It's not amusing to me. But again. Nothing I mean, it's a great sense. engine, and it, it makes a lot of sense in some cars, and in some cars, it doesn't make any sense at all. But uh, it, it it doesn't seem to matter. Like if we we could put a K in a I don't know a golf cart, and people would watch that. Uh, you know, it, absolutely. And, I might and, actually and watch it, that one. So you know what? That yeah. that's actually a pretty great idea. I admit. <laughs> yeah, like, I, let's not. Yeah, let's not talk shit about that one. That's a good one. Case <laughs> forty. That's what I want. Oh my god! Oh my okay. god! People would burn down the. Listen though, I, I I I know the real reason we're doing this though is so that Dan or Devin can try to talk me into selling you the Evo Six. So maybe we should just Ooh, have that conversation right now. Let's go. Yeah. Actually, so where are we coming to pick it up? Yeah. See, what's actually happening is that we're distracting you for an hour. These two are actually like I'm on a soundboard just clicking things, and they're actually you know they're not actually on the podcast, and your shit's already gone. So right. good luck. The only thing that's saving it is the fact that all the roads are blocked. So good luck. Exactly. Good luck getting across the border right now. Uh, the truckers will steal your shit before you steal ours. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> Got him. <That's> terrible. <laughs> so the, uh, the other question that I had in terms of YouTube, and I, you know, I think about it. You said it earlier, is that you got to keep the schedule up. You got you seemingly have to keep videos high. I know that's a. Uh, a problematic thing it's difficult we talked to the guys at gears and gas obviously they they have the same kind of thing where they you know have to keep the schedule up they've got a lot of videos planned and all that you know mm -hmm. and then you see like other channels that are pretty big you know that do the um that, that seem to have settled into like the one month kind of 
mega episodes, right? Like your, your Mark Robers and such. Yeah. Um, and so it, it, do you think there's like space to try that or is that scary? Is that like something you don't want to do because it's divergent from your normal path? Is that something you're more interested in? So it's more like a magazine, like, you know what I mean? What's the, what's yeah, the I do. Yeah, no, those are, those are all ideas that, that Pete and I kick around fairly regularly. And, you know, we have slowly reduced the frequency with which we publish as the channel has gotten bigger, you know, we can get the same or more number of views with two uploads a week instead of three. So we are scaling back as much as we can while, you know, not punishing the channel's growth. If you, if you think of it in yeah. those terms, sure. so we are at one or sometimes two episodes a week right now. And we'd certainly like to go to like maybe a weekly schedule like gears and gasoline does just sure. so that we can take our time a little bit more with our builds and not feel so quite as, as much pressure as we do to keep pumping it out. Yep. Um, and, you know, as the channel grows, maybe we can go to, I, I, I don't know, fewer than once a week, although that's a difficult one to make work on YouTube uh, with our kind of content. Uh, you know, for someone like Mark Rober, obviously it works because he does these giant epic things and he gets 50 million views. But, you right. know, for, right. for us, there's a certain amount of frequency required just to keep the algorithm feeding your content to the, to the masses. So I don't know that we could go to fewer than once a week without it being potentially, yeah. you know, detrimental to the channel. But sure. um, it, it, I'd have to talk to some folks from channels that are publishing less frequently to that to really get a, a sense of how it works for them. But uh, I certainly know lots of channels that are publishing only once a week, like Gears and Gasoline, and it works well for them. So. That's certainly, I think, a direction we're going in uh, if we're not already there just by virtue of more children being born. Yeah, and, 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 and you're, you're right. I mean, you're spot on. It's that the other side of it is we, like we just talked about, is that having a channel that's more universally approachable and acceptable and, you know, fun to watch and stuff like that. Like, yeah, the car world is big, but it's not the same as the universally approachable side of, you know, making an enormous Nerf gun. Exactly. You get what I'm saying? Like, yeah, it, totally. It's a, it's a different thing. And, and Absolutely. There are more people that would watch that content than watch you K-swap a, um, I don't know, a garden cedar or, you know, anything else like that. So it's like, yeah, yeah it's, we're, it's we're, definitely a hard one. Yeah, we're working with a much smaller niche, no question about it. And But, you know, at the same time, we see other channels uh, generating huge views like Cletus McFarland down in Florida is generating you know, he publishes probably three or four times a week and he gets, you know, maybe a million views per episode. It's crazy the numbers that, that Cletus is getting. But I mean, he's also done some incredible things. He's bought a racetrack. Like, he's done these like live stream mo motorsports events that are like just, you know, completely wild. And he's generated a lot of interest because he's been fearless about his approach to the whole the whole business. But um, it's a wonder what you can do with money. Yeah, yeah, but you know what? I, I give I give him all the credit in the world. That guy has just put everything in back into that business. Like he just grew the channel, put everything back into it, and he just went all in over and over and over and over again to grow it. And, uh, and you know, kudos to him, man. He he's built a, a massive following. So he you know he's the kind of guy who could certainly be publishing less than he does uh, sure. because because he's making so much money now. But um, I don't know. He doesn't seem to be slowing down any. So I, I don't. I think he's just grown that business so much that he can publish a lot because he has a lot of help now. 
where, you know, Pete and I have been too stubborn to hire any, anybody. So that's maybe been a, you know, downfall to our approach is just not being willing to try to build a, a team out around us that would let us produce more without having to work quite so hard at it, you know? Yeah, I mean, on a, on a more serious note here, uh, mm-hmm. I will work for an Evo 6 and I already work for a Canadian <laughs> company. So I mean, it's, it sounds like a, right? a great idea here. Well, well, listen, Pete and I are pretty much ready to move to Texas after being locked down for two years. So uh, if you're willing to move to Texas, then let's all just buy cowboy boots, go down there, find somewhere close to a racetrack and uh, and start making videos. I, I guess mean, it's not a bad idea. <laughs> I, I didn't hear a no. Yeah, that is the second place on my list to move to. So, the is Dallas, it what's uh, what's the first place? Phoenix. I'm in love with Phoenix. the Phoenix area. Yeah. Phoenix. Really? Huh? Yeah. What? Oh, okay. All right then. Yeah. You got the surprise. Yeah, it's, it's warm. You know, it's. I worked oh, in the heat oh, it's for warm. I worked in the 115 degree temperature for like a month, and it wasn't that bad. You know, no? it's, it's not as muggy as like. Being like Atlanta or fucking while I was in Miami, and I was, I was actually pretty cool, man. I dig nope. it. Yeah, the the I've been in Phoenix in the summer a couple times at the Bondurant uh, track and in like 120 degree heat, and your the the soles of your shoes are literally yeah sticking to the <laughs> asphalt. Like it's like what is this? That's a lot of heat for me. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't I can't do that. I can't do that. That's too much. <laughs> I've never heard Mike check out like that. That was his soul leaving his body right there. <laughs> no, 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 I'm I'm hot at 75. I don't need 120. <laughs> Jesus Christ! It was like a I was working in Turkey once, and it was like 118, 119, and and uh, you know not close to a building that had AC. It was like a an open air building working at a power plant. Oh man! And that was. Rough is not the, the, the correct terminology for that. It was dusty. It was terrible. And uh, drinking gallons and gallons of water a day and not taking one piss. And it was uh, just not interested. Just <laughs> No parts of this. I will take snow over that any day of the week. And y'all can screw right off on that. <laughs> yeah, I don't I don't mind the winters either. But it it's not great for automotive content. Cause no, we're... it is. It's hard. It's hard. You know, it'd be nice to live somewhere where we had access to a racetrack and, you know, nice dry roads 365 days a year. But, uh, you know, having a having a break from that isn't necessarily a bad thing either. We kind of treat the seasons as, you know, a way to shift our content a little bit. So um, it, it's not all bad. I, I We just like to complain when it's cold and wintry up here because that's a Canadian pastime. Hey, we do the same thing. <laughs> right? I, I like the break. The break gives me... It gives you, you know, a couple of months to refocus and, you know, not spend a bunch of money. So it's, yeah, I like it too. Yeah. Off season lets your wallet cool off a bit, right? Yeah, exactly. Uh, Speaking of your wallet cooling off, how's that Corvette coming along now? That's uh, got to be getting close to being done. All right, man. I don't, so this is, this is interesting for me because it's, I'm so hands off on this thing, which I've, I've never been before. So I don't fucking know. Right, so I'm literally just going to show up and drive type of thing. So Lewis down there, when he uh, when he has an update for me, he'll like send me a, a bunch of photos and then say, "This is not a piece of shit anymore. Cool, you see, you like it, cool. All right, and that's it." Or if I need to make a decision on something, he'll message me about it. But usually, he's already made the decision. He's just giving me the uh, illusion that I have a choice. Yeah. <laughs> 
So it seems like you're in good hands. I, I'm, I'm excited to see that how that what goes. Most people act like they, they want freedom, but they want that illusion of choice, and it's already done. I feel like yeah, that's... I, I'm 100%. I, like I told him, I was like, man, bro, whatever you, you think is best, let's do it. I don't... Whatever. You're, you're the expert. I'm, yeah, I'm Luce, just here Luce for the ride. Luce is going to make it right. <laughs> he's going to make it right, too. Like, he's going to... He cares about how it performs, obviously, and with his with his name all over it and all that. So, he's a great he's a great resource. Are you guys all going down to that event, or is Devin going solo on that one? We we I'm don't going. have a plan right now. Oh, okay, <laughs> <laughs> I'm driving. Oh yeah, nice. Okay, a long drive. Yeah, I'll be down there for him. I really want to fly down to that. I've never been to Coda, so I'd love to go down. But uh, I don't know. We'll they see. We paved for the fourteenth time. Did they? Okay. Mm-hmm. The, I hear the Formula One cars make so much downforce that it like ripples the pavement there. Well, it did rip up some sections. I think it's just because you know, bad quality and yeah, yeah, swamp and it's uh, it's not quite a swamp, but it's soft ground. You get the point. I do, I do. Well, I, I'd like to experience that uh, ripped up pavement myself someday, but that's a long commute from up here. Let's come on down. Stop thinking about it that way. God, you already want to do it. Just do it. I mean, it's Bring in Texas, and you. I'm talking about moving to Texas. Yeah, right? fuck I it. Do I, it. I have to go down now, don't you I? Just, I, yep. I mean, James, you could just, like, climb under his fucking RV and come on down. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 threatening to make the trip this year, so I guess That's we'll right. see. Mm-hmm. You can jump under, that, jump under the RV, you know, put a good parka on, see if he gets uh. to the border and makes it happen. I think it'd be more fun to sleep in the Corvette with Devin, actually. You know, two dudes in a Corvette is, uh, that's how you really get to know a person. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I won't say no to it. I need a cuddle buddy, so. <laughs> right? Keep it, keep it warm. Keep, keep the, we can rub our beers together. Absolutely. <laughs> two dudes in a Corvette sounds like a classic 80s movie. That's right. I'll, I'll make sure to, uh, to eat lots of cabbage and baked beans before I come down there. We'll be all set. Beautiful! Wow! Wow! You know, static. Keep, I guess yeah, you gotta it. go now. Get on Dave out of here. <laughs> keep, keep your toxic waste to yourself. <laughs> and what about your uh, your your Evo guys? What's going on with that? I haven't really heard anything about it. Yes. Yes. <laughs> we, we yeah, that's it. about it. <laughs> yeah, that's about it. We we it's it's pretty close. We had a, you know, we had a, an engine build, and then we broke it. And then we built another engine, and that one's almost together. And then we were gonna go test it again, and then somebody else had our diff, and they had a diff problem. So we bought the new revised diff that doesn't have that problem, and so we just got that, and that's getting put in, and it's been a slow process for sure. You know, Grant's been doing a lot of work on it, and and he's a lifesaver on that end. But realistically, we haven't put a ton of effort into that comparatively in the last couple of years. Um, we've been putting a lot of effort into, you know, the business side of things. And, and yeah. So, Are you planning to run that car at all this year? Is are you hoping to get out to some grid life events and stuff like that? That's the most likely path is grid life. You know, something close, closer, I should say. Right. So, Texas code is great. It's just not the place you, I want to put the car for the first time. Oh, for sure, yeah. That that back straight. I mean, what are you wide open throttle for like 30, Ever? 40 seconds? It's crazy. <laughs> forty minutes, and then yeah, exactly. uh, and then the cleanup costs and all that. Yeah, so, exactly. So the scattered motor costs are not great. Just yeah, motor costs. So cool, yeah. cool place. Just 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 difficult. So we'll see what happens there. Um, but yeah, a low stress C five Corvette is the correct choice for that track for sure. Yeah. No, I mean detuned and everything. It's perfect. Yeah. 
Yeah, no, I'm excited to see how that goes. It's too bad the guy driving it's, you know, probably really not up to par. He hasn't had any seat time in about five years now, but. Oh, you know, he's hot ass. We all know that. He's going to try his hardest. <laughs> <laughs> no, no pressure, right? Oh, what no, I mean, I, I give myself enough pressure. It is. Like, I've already had these goals. If I don't sell them, it's going to be a bad weekend for me. What uh, What tires are you running? Uh, so this is back to I don't fuck know. Well, we uh, had this discussion, right? Because we, we wanted to run the, uh, the RT660s. But the size we want for the weight we want to be at, they don't have them in stock fucking anywhere. Okay. So uh, we might be running the Kumos or the Rivals. But we got to see which one we can get. Because uh, I guess he's also working on two other Corvettes for the same process, his own personal one. And this uh, guy, Eric, who had a LS FRS last year. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're all trying to, to run the same tire because it will be roughly the same weight, but we don't know which ones to get. So it's going to be like one of those last moment type of things. I'm inter- interesting to hear you say RT660 since I, I would have thought, you know, that's a great time attack or autocross tire, but I would have thought with a bit of a longer stint. I mean, GLTC's races are only, what, 15 or 20 minutes, but I would have thought you'd still see a lot of drop-off after three laps of those. I mean, you do. Yeah. They, they yeah. drop a couple seconds. I guess everyone else is going to be in the same boat unless you go with a more of an endurance type of tire. I, Don't I, they I, have I, to? I thought the tire rules changed. Kind of forced them I think they're all box. stuck with 200... They're all stuck at a 200 treadwear rating, net, right? I think, right? Is that, yeah, is that not the correct. case? I mean, I mean, you pick a tire. But certain that tires are also banned. So, like, you can't right. use the Nankings or the uh, AO52s? Uh, correct. Oh, right. interesting. Okay. So, what I'm really trying to say is Speed Academy is, is, now, the, is now exclusively running Continental tires. And, and really, I think we all know that their new Extreme Contact Force 200 treadwear tire is going to last longer. Than the stickier, wow. softer stuff. God, so we are witnessing a fucking professional. Strategically here. speaking, here, <laughs> you know, you might be a little slower at the start, but that's okay. You get in a rhythm, and then you finish strong, and you make that glorious pass for the win on the last lap because your tires still got grip. Think you about it, what? boys. Think about it. As, as a uh, a strong member of the Speed Academy family, being such a technical writer, and so it, you can go to their website and see that it's mostly Devin. So it is mostly <laughs> or Dan, if we want to be honest. Yeah, it's a combination of both. The, the D's, the double D's. Uh, you know, with that being said, I think I think Kyle Tired is just sending send me a whole pallet of them. That'd be mm, great. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that would see, be nice of them. Just one pallet, not yes, two. Yeah, not, oh, I'm not greedy. Come on now. One Listen, you let me know what size you need, and uh, I will make some genuine inquiries on your behalf. Oh, I boy. wonder, like obviously the old, the old Continental DWs. I wonder how how much better the new ones are. Man, these new extreme contact forces are made by Hoosier. I'm sure you guys know a little bit about them, but yeah, yeah. they're 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 basically, from what I understand, they're it's basically the R7 compound on a Continental carcass with you know a tread pattern. Um, so I think you would see very similar type of performance from these as you would from an R7. Um, th- that said, you know, the carcass is going to be softer than the R7. So it's, you know, doesn't have quite the, maybe the initial turn in bite and that sort of thing. But in terms of like peak G forces in the corners, I think you would see very similar data to an R7. So you don't, you don't think that the sidewall is as stiff? Is that what you're saying? That's, 
Yeah, I think it's a, I think it's softer than the Hoosiers are probably, you know, 15, 20% softer, but um I don't know if that's a DOT thing. Although the the R7s are still a DOT tire, aren't they? So I'm not yeah. I'm not 100% sure why that is. I think maybe they were trying to dial a little bit of rain performance into them. That could be part of their 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 thinking no, on it. There's no XL tire. Um sorry, there's no what? XL tire, extra load. Soft stiffer sidewall version of it. Not that I know of. No, I don't think they they have any plans for a, a variant of it. Um that's a great question, though. I'll have to ask somebody there next time I, I get a chance Welcome. to. But yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and they, they really built that tire for like the you know Lucky Dog, uh, A AER, you know Champ Car type of series, mm-hmm. where they need a two hundred treadwear tire that can run for hours at a time. So that's really what they yeah. they built that tire for. Um, but I think now. even in a sprint race format, I think it could work well if you're looking to, you know, finish strong as opposed to go out guns blazing. So it might, it might offer an interesting strategic approach, even in a series like, like GLTC. I would like to derometer that tire. Indeed. Well, I'm sure, I'm sure. The tone of voice is kind of creeping me the fuck out. Yeah, no, I, I like that. <laughs> I would like to probe that tire. Um, I would like to pro. I would like to probe your tires. Yeah, no. I, 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 <laughs> I, I hated that. <laughs> I, I really did not enjoy that. I'm very uncomfortable. There's but a yeah. joke in there about you know guys who own four probes. I think um, uh, Adam from Gridlife, I'm sure, will be probing those tires the first chance he gets. Uh, maybe he already has probed them since they were out, you know, second half yeah. of last year. So yeah, he may yeah, have some. So he probably has some durometer data on that. Uh, shoot, shoot him a message; he might give you the inside info. But from what I've from what I've gathered, they're they're you know a little bit quicker than say the Hankook RS fours, um, and very similar to them in the sense that they they are better on longer runs and they wear much better too. So they True. they they have you know greater better better durability than the really soft sticky yeah, stuff. And looks like sizes in eighteens is pretty good. Yeah, yeah, they've got good sizing, and there's more coming out, so they're pretty aggressively adding to that that to that sizing list. So, yeah, they're pretty serious about that tire. They're they're pushing they're pushing hard to really you know make it appealing. Yeah. I think first and foremost to the endurance guys, but I think yeah, we may see it used by value oriented you know lapping day time attack guys as well. Yeah, if we're serious, Continental has not done a great job with the extreme performance summer tire in the past. They were kind of not on par with the rest of the world so i'm glad that they took it seriously and and are you know obviously they bought hoosier and they're working with their hoosier partners to make a tire that's more performance based like legitimately more performance based not the like hey here's a pretty okay tire kind of performance based no offense yeah no no no, <laughs> no, no respect tire. respectfully respectfully yeah, yeah. <laughs> well you 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 probably haven't tried their extreme contact sport tire, which is actually a really good summer tire. It's it's on sort of on par with like the Michelin uh, PS4s. Let's say sure. very it's a very good summer tire, like a true street tire, but it's not a 200 tread wear, you know, time attack tire. And they've never really been in that space before this tire. Right. Which, that's that's more th- what I'm saying. Is that they're yeah, the autocross, yeah. the motorsport kind of like e- exactly. Street, I'm I'm air quoting street tire here. Street yes. tire world, right? They they are their DWs that they, you know, that 
have been used, you know, generally around the 300 to 343, you know, right exactly. There, yeah, that's been their sweet area. spot. Yeah, right. They, and and they're not bad tires. There's not their their dry performance, their wet performance even hasn't been bad. It's just not really. They've never put their foot forward into the extreme summer tire category that people are going to use for aggressive more performance oriented driving with a tread yeah no absolutely right this is the first time they've gone into this this space and uh it's really the first time they've leveraged hoosier uh as a true tire building partner you know after they bought hoosier they would just let hoosier do what hoosier do and they kept doing what continental does and this is the first time they've really joined forces to produce a you know a, a tire that was aimed in a category they've never been in before so uh yeah, I, yeah it's uh i've only tried them on our 350z and uh, i certainly liked them um but i only did maybe you know a dozen laps in, on them on that car because again we're shooting a video we got to get the thing video shot by the you know so yeah, unfortunately yeah, yeah. I, ha I don't have a lot of seat time on the tire yet but my initial impressions are certainly very positive i would i would put it on par with that that second tier of the very fastest 200 sure. treadwear tires so Makes there's sense. that group of you know the really sticky guys that are on that level and they're they're on that level below them where like the rs4s and those sort of tires live right. but they also come with a tremendous amount of durability and they don't drop off with heat the way that the really sticky stuff does as you would expect so there's there's that trade-off that's there and it's intentionally done because they are targeting the endurance you know the uh the crap can endurance guys basically no i'd definitely be interested in a tire like that if it had if it wore like an rs4 rs you know rs3 rs4 tire yeah that'd yeah, definitely that's... be uh definitely be an interesting tire to have yeah have you guys ever done or thought about doing any of that type of racing like in you know endurance racing and present a different challenge than what you guys have always been very time attack focused as far as i know yeah i mean i've i've helped quite a few teams in that world kind of aggressively skirt as many rules as possible but, yeah but n never as a i i mean we haven't done it as a group obviously right it sounds this could be a team building exercise for you guys you could actually all drive the same car together and uh you know uh well i, I don't, we're I all very four different uh heights and body sizes i don't even know how we all can fit in one car at the same time at the same time, <laughs> I've, always, I've always wanted to do like a a, a chump or a, something like that for like an insight, but a lemons, yeah. lemons oh. insight would be fun. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, I think I think you guys should build a Ford probe. <laughs> Thank you for your input, that. Batman. We'll get to it. <laughs> but no, I mean, I, yeah, definitely, definitely interesting category of racing. Trying to trying to maximize that, and it's so funny because. You know, everything starts as cheap racing, and then you get these guys who like, I want to win that, and then they throw their money dick down, and 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 you know, they come with a hauler, and they got all this shit, and you're like, dude, I got a U-Haul trailer and a van, like leave me alone. Exactly. You know what I mean? Like, what yeah. are you doing here? It's just funny. Yeah. It's just, it's just funny what people do. Well, I hope I get to see you guys at uh, the racetrack at some point in 2022, because uh, we'd like to. Yeah. Uh, cross the border in a legal and organized fashion and uh do some uh you know disposal of tire and fuel and um are you gonna yeah, make anything some... are you guys gonna bring anything to actually yeah like, yeah we are i know that you have some performance builds right 
Yeah, yeah, we definitely have a couple of things cooking. Uh, we actually have four track car builds planned this year. So uh, we're doing a couple of Honda builds okay. because Honda builds do well, and I love Hondas. And well, <laughs> and uh, we've also got a couple of uh, different things that you wouldn't have seen on our channel before in mind. Uh, one of which is a '90s rear-wheel drive German car that we're going to K-swap and uh, build it in a DTM-inspired fashion, which should be oh, a lot God. of fun. Um, don't try to, don't try to, don't try to trick me into liking it. All of it. Oh no, you're gonna like it. You believe me, you're gonna like it. And and that's a car we'd love to bring to a grid life event later in the year. And uh, early in the year, I think we'll bring one of the Hondas out uh, to probably like grid life Midwest, since that's a close event for us. And we'd like to go to like that '80s '90s fest they've got planned at Lime Rock as well, because that sounds like yeah. fun. And we've got we've got a ton of. Uh, 90s cars to bring to that so uh maybe we'll bring the evo 6 down there so you guys can have a look at it before you make a, a you know a market appropriate offer a, market, a correct oh. offer oh i see what you're doing in u.s dollars of a, of a, yeah, of oh, US dollars and <laughs> the prominence that a youtube channel provides i'm sure right. it's gonna be like i can you whatever you want in canada it's gonna be like 20 bucks us so we accept <laughs> we accept bitcoin and u.s dollars only <laughs> well, I'll get, I'll get some Bitcoin. Dave, Dave obviously is unaware of the market value of my hugs. There you go. So, <laughs> I, I, I was about to. You might yeah. end up owing me money. Yeah, only, to... only if you, uh, only if you probe my, my, my flesh for its derometer. Oh my God! All right, done. Stop. Uh, that's not this podcast. That's the next podcast that we're recording. So hold on a little bit. The, the, these viewers don't know about that one. Um, but no, that's, that sounds awesome. I really, you know, we're getting to uh, we're getting to our cutoff time here, and and I do appreciate all the information about the YouTube channel and and you know obviously the difficulties involved and such and and how you know it, it's just interesting to me that the algorithm is driving a lot of the decisions here and and you're you're still trying to do what you love but you still you know are beholden to one obviously the customer which is always true right you can't get away from that but also beholden to whatever the algorithm wants at the present moment which is forever changing so that sounds exciting as well so now my eight-year-old son is coming so quincy is ready for you to get off quincy is ready to go the family has voted okay exactly i am going to bed thank you guys it's been a pleasure let's do it again sometime soon Thanks, bud. Yes. Thank, Thank you, sir. You. It's that time again, boys. I need those goddamn reviews. You can say that Devin is forcing you to do them, or you can leave some genuine feedback, and I'll be sure to read them and get them back to the boys. In the meantime, you can join our Facebook group, which is Professional Awesome Technical Forum. You can follow us on Instagram at Professional Awesome Racing, and we have a Facebook regular page with the same name. But until then, we'll talk to you later, and we really appreciate you listening.